Welcome to the first of three podcast interviews with the faculty of this educational initiative entitled Stroke Prevention and Atrial Fibrillation, Updated Guidelines, and Expanded Treatment Options. These podcasts were produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from Beringer Ingelheim. The content for this podcast was adapted from an interview with James Kalis, recorded on December 2011, during the 46th ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Exhibition. Dr. Kalis is Senior Manager of Patient Care Services in the Department of Pharmacy at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. He is also Program Director for the Postgraduate Year 1 Residency at Henry Ford Hospital, and he precepts the general inpatient cardiology rotation for pharmacy students and residents. Dr. Kalis, thank you very much for joining us today to discuss the issues related to challenges and opportunities related to stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation. Thank you. Why don't we begin by talking about some of the newer anticoagulants that have been approved to prevent stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation. These drugs are similar to warfarin in that they can still be associated with bleeding. So uh, when a patient taking warfarin presents with bleeding, there are interventions that can be performed to reverse the effect of warfarin, but what, if anything, can clinicians do to reverse the effects of these new anticoagulants? Well, this is a major issue both for the inpatient pharmacists as well as for pharmacists that are taking care of patients in the outpatient setting. Unfortunately, there's a paucity of data available, and most of that data is animal studies that suggest that there may be some role for recombinant factor 7, FIBA, and possibly four-factor prothrombin complex concentrates, or PCCs. So healthy volunteer data does support four-factor PCC for the reversal of the anticoagulant effects of rivaroxaban. However, that study did not show any effect on the anticoagulant activity of dabigatran. Uh, There are some issues to consider when interpreting this study, however, because we don't have a four-factor PCC available in the United States yet, and there are also some significant differences in the factor concentrations in the different PCC products. At this point, unfortunately, there's no clear evidence, at least from a guideline standpoint and from the literature, on what to do in the situation. Well, that's very interesting. Another question. From your experience, given the lack of data evaluating reversal, what do you think should be done with patients on the new anticoagulant medications who present with severe or life-threatening bleeding? Well, I think that a standardized approach is probably the best approach. I don't really think that it's a good idea to allow clinicians in your institution just to make up a regimen to reverse these agents because there are risks to the different reversal agents, and really it's a a very clinical decision to decide whether to reverse an anticoagulant in the first place. So I think a good approach could be to create institutional guidelines based on local expert opinion, and at least then there would be safe dosing and safe monitoring of the agents used for reversal. So at that point, you'd at least have a consistent management strategy, which would facilitate an evaluation of your patients who required reversal, and then you'd be able to adjust that approach if it was warranted based on your data. One thing to note is that there may be some consensus guidelines developed in the the near future, so that's something that you might look for in the next year or so. Well, let's shift our focus a little bit and talk about the potential for drug interactions associated with these new drugs. Would you say that an advantage of the newer anticoagulants over warfarin is reduced potential for drug interactions? I think the answer to that is yes and no. I, I think on one hand, there are probably fewer definite problems with the newer agents compared to warfarin in terms of drug interactions. I do think that there are still some questions to be addressed here, though. 
we have several drug interactions where caution should be used because we don't think that there's an interaction, but there, there could be something to watch out for. That coupled with the fact that we have limited ability to monitor these new products from a laboratory standpoint makes it difficult to use these drugs with caution if we don't have a good way to monitor them. There also seems to be some difference in the drug interaction potential between the different agents, which will make it very important that pharmacists are involved with the selection of these agents and monitoring the potential drug interactions. And at this point, I think it's difficult to say really whether there's a true advantage of the new agents from a drug interaction standpoint. One potential advantage of these newer anticoagulants over warfarin is that there is not a need for monitoring any lab tests, such as the INR, to assess the status of anticoagulation in the patients. Since the need for intensive monitoring of these new anticoagulants is reduced, what should pharmacists focus on? Well, I think there's definitely a, a need for pharmacists to be heavily involved with um, numerous aspects of therapy when a new anticoagulant is being considered. Pharmacists need to be involved in selection of the right drug for the right patient based on renal function and any potential drug interactions that could be present, as well as in evaluating the possible stroke risk of the patient. I think pharmacists also need to ensure that we're using the right dose, not just from a renal function standpoint, but also because some of these agents, particularly rivaroxaban, may have multiple different dosing strategies depending on the indication. And so that's going to be something that a pharmacist is going to be the expert in keying in on and making sure we're doing the right thing for the patient. Pharmacists are also needed to monitor the, the patients who are taking drugs that may interact but are listed in the more uh, use with caution category versus the definite drug interactions so that we can ensure that patients are not at increased risk for bleeding. And then also I think pharmacists need to be the advocate for perhaps going back to the old standard of warfarin in the patient who may not be a good candidate for the newer therapies. Well, Dr. Kalish, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts today. Well, thanks for having me. This concludes this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Kalis about challenges and opportunities related to stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation, a web-based continuing pharmacy education activity based on the Mid-Year Symposium will be available in February 2012. To access this activity and other educational opportunities on this topic, visit the web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash prevent stroke.